tribe of Judah became the Lamb of God on your behalf so that you can become a child of God. This is the good news. This is the one who's worthy of your worship. I am. Um, I'm going to try to give a short little word, just something that God's been really speaking to me about the last, um, I don't know, a month or so. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, it's Christmas season, which I've communicated is my favorite, favorite, favorite time of the year. And me and my kids and our family, we like to watch um, all, pretty much all of the Christmas movies, like all of them. Uh, we don't watch TV all year, but we make up for it in the month of December. <laughs> like, like we don't even have cable, but uh, we just like rent every movie. I, don't, I refuse to buy them because I don't want to watch them other times. So I pay every year to rent them. It's probably a little bit of uh, frivolous spending, but nonetheless, we watch them all. And uh, when Tom was gone, um, we, me and the kids were watching, um, I don't know, a couple movies. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of the movies involve around Santa Claus and um, that whole concept. And I, there's children in the room, and so I don't want to um, speak too much directly on that. But for me, Christmas is about Jesus. And so sometimes I kind of get a little bit, you know, like all of their faith is in Santa. They're praying for miracles to Santa most of the time in the movies and Santa's magic or, you know, his spirit of Christmas or all these things that all transpire. And of course, just a movie, but, you know, it's just interesting. And so I was kind of um, sitting there and by the third movie of the week, I just was like, ugh. Oh, I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't know if I, oh, I don't know how to explain it. And I was just like, man, this is, this is really sad if this is all people have to believe in. But, but anyways, I was uh, just kind of a little bit like, I don't know if I want to really want to watch anymore. It was just kind of my kids. We've had so many conversations about this stuff that I wasn't concerned about their understanding or reality of this, but I was just kind of like, oh, I just really, oh. and all of a sudden, you ever have a moment where, God speaks to you through the most Santa Claus movie, you know? I don't <laughs> I just something so like, and I'm just kind of, you know? like, And uh, all of a sudden, because this particular movie was real, I think it was all about a naughty and nice list. And anyways, this, I don't, I don't even remember, this naughty or nice list book. And, and in the movie, this woman makes this line that, she sees a mom or dad saying to their kids, you know, around December, saying to them, you know, you don't, you gotta be nice because you don't wanna end up on the naughty list. And this woman who doesn't have kids is like, overhears this whole conversation. And the boy goes like this, you know. And she goes, man, that stuff really works, you know. She makes a comment. And so this whole book is really about this like power of being afraid to be on the naughty list. And so anyways, by the end of the movie, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh. And I was overwhelmed by this revelation because the, the Lord was speaking to me about how the whole world kind of understands this concept, right? I feel like every American knows the, the mythology of the naughty or nice list and all of these things. And the Lord says, but how many of my children know that one day they will stand before me. And I will look over their life. And 
I will. I have a record. And I will reward them according to their works. Now, I know in the evangelical church, we 100% know and believe we are saved by faith. And I know that many people that grew up Catholic or grew up in other religions, it's like we toss the whole baby out with the bathwater. The people use fear and control manipulation to say, do works to be saved, which is not true. The reality is, is we're saved by our, work, or by our faith. But one day we will stand before God and he says he will reward us for our works. Our works still matter. And I was just kind of just like overwhelmed by this reality of this eternal moment of standing before him, not worried about if I'm going to heaven or hell, because I've received my eternal heaven, if that makes sense. But how, what will God say about my life? What will stand and what will burn away? Because the only thing that makes it with us through death is our eternal works. You know, nothing you own, nothing you have, nothing will pass with you into eternity. And so here I was watching this Santa Claus movie, and next thing you know, I'm weeping before the Lord, recognizing this reality of what it will be like to stand before my Father one day and hear him tell me about my life. So I wanted to, that kind of just sparked something in me that I've just been meditating on, and I wanna share some scriptures because I think this is an important lens of the gospel that can't be lost. It's obviously not the foundation we stand on, meaning by faith. But if we don't live from an eternal perspective, what are we living for? If we lose sight of eternity, if we lose sight of what God's asked us to do, if we lose sight of how short this life is and how long eternity is, if we don't remember our end destination, many of us just spend our whole lives wandering because we don't even remember where we're going. And so I was just really just touched by this. And so I want to read a few passages to kind of just lay a perspective because um, it's really, really important. So I want to um, read 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 15. First Corinthians 3, 8. Okay, and obviously this is right in the middle. I always, I wish I could just read the whole book, First Corinthians, and then the whole chapter, all of it to make sure it's in context. But starting in verse eight, and he's talking, Paul's talking here, and he says, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, 
I have laid a foundation and another builds on it, but each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, which that day, if you see in your Bible, it's capitalized because it's referring of the day of the Lord, meaning Revelation 21 when Jesus, when Jesus Christ comes back. We'll declare it because, so it says, your work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. It's interesting to me is when I was reading this this last um, week, this was one of the very first scriptures that Romeo read to Tom and I after he did, uh, delivered us and we got deliverance for the first time, at least not sovereignly. And he went through all the scriptures and, you know, I, at the time, I, there was so much he was sharing, I couldn't all grasp some of it, just went straight through me, if that makes sense, you know? I received what I could. But I feel like there's so many people that when you live in other places of the world under constant threat of different things, you become so aware of your, of death at any moment that essentially you have a revelation that eternity is better than here. But a lot of us, particularly in America, I don't think we live by the reality that eternity with God is better than here. And so we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that life because we're really enjoying this one. Or we think we are. I think it's a lot harder than we think. But I wanna read a couple more passages. But this was what's really important is what really stood out to me on this was when he says, for no other foundation, meaning with the foundation of the gospel of the kingdom and salvation by faith, everything has to be built upon that, right? From proper identity, from all of those things. So if you're thinking about eternity outside of proper identity, it'll probably get, you know, not be right. It'll get into works and fear and other things and into religion. But based upon the proper foundation, we should have a healthy eternal perspective. Does that make sense? Where we live in a constant reality that this is not what we were made for. We weren't made for this earth, but we were made to be eternal beings with God in constant relationship with him. And that he's given us a work to do here so that he can come back. When Jesus left and ascended, he gave us the church an assignment and he said he would come back essentially for his bride when we were prepared and made ready and had accomplished the assignment. 2,000 years later, he's still waiting for his bride. If you've ever been separated from your spouse, oh, singing about this when Tom was gone, I'm like, I can't imagine what Jesus must feel. I was gone from Tom for 11 days. I want my husband back. Jesus is up there wanting his bride. 
But do we live like we really want our husband, him? Are we living with that reality that he's waiting for us and we're, trying to be, we're, we're supposed to be prepared so he can come back so we can live in eternity, not on this earth? Does our heart yearn for that? What does our heart yearn for? I want to turn to James 2, verse 14. Mark my, there we go. James 2, verse 14. Okay. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And it loves, because then it goes to the Old Testament here. It says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend. Fill our hearts this morning, God. Fill our hearts this morning, God. Father, we need you. And you're the one that we desire above everything else that the world can offer us, Lord. We desire you. And so, Father, we look to you this morning. Have faith if there are no works. If there, are no, if there is no fruit of us being in love with God and receiving him as our savior and him being our friend, if we don't have fruit of looking like him and acting like him and doing the things that he did in our life, then where, how can we say we have faith? I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Another one. I'm just gonna read a few passages here because I want us to see this theme. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, one of the works that uh, Romeo told us about just reminds me because I, you know, we're in the modern age, so I don't hear a lot of pages turning, you know, because we have our phones and it's on the screen sometimes and different things. But Romeo, when he first was discipling us, he's like, you need to bring your Bible everywhere. <laughs> and uh, we were like, really? Like, why? He's like, so people know. 
you know? And, 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 and it was just, and it just, remember, he was like, you just gotta bring it everywhere so everybody can see it so they know that you believe the word of God. But it's so funny because I remember just thinking like, you know, my natural old like wineskin of just religion was like, that's religious. And then later I was like, I think it's really actually evidence of something <laughs> because he carries the word with him everywhere. Like, you know, and I was just super convicted by that. And so I really just want to challenge you. One simple way is to bring your Bible with you to church, to work, somewhere. It's just a small little thing. Anyways, not the point, but uh, if it matters to you, do you carry it with you. 2 Corinthians 14, or 4, 14 through 18. So let's see, it says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause, oh, maybe I'm in the wrong. Let's see, 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18. Anything? Okay. Let's jump to 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man, here we go, sorry, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us as a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our works of love, patience, forgiveness, serving, giving, preaching the gospel, helping the poor, washing toilets in the house of God, to whatever that may look like. Leave us with nothing in the physical. But in eternity, they are the only things that will matter. The things that in which you cannot see. And it goes on, verse five, the insurance of the resurrection. Oh, just or chapter five, yeah. Oh, it's just the whole I mean, it's like the whole the whole Bible's amazing. Um, so you just, every time I ever read a verse, I'm like, well, then you just read the whole thing and the whole thing and you keep going and keep going. And then it's like, oh, and then the whole thing. Yeah, public, we need to have public readings of scripture. <laughs> we do, because then it's like, you just like, I hate stopping there. I feel like I'm, you know, shortchanging you. I mean, don't you want to hear about the assurance of the resurrection? <laughs> like, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> but, so not only are we, our works are going to be evaluated. And we are going to be rewarded based upon those. I want you to see, and it says in James that we, how can we say we have faith without works? I want you to see in John chapter 10 that even Jesus says this about himself. John chapter 10, verse 37. I probably... He's talking here and um, to the Pharisees. It says in the title of mine in verse 31, I read about that, that, renewed efforts to stone Jesus. 
yeah. They got re-strengthened, re-energized, came together. So it says, then the Jews took up stones. I'll start in verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus, Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. So if you just think about, you wanna know what a good work is, look at everything Jesus did. So miracles are good works. Healing and deliverance and cleansing the leper and healing the heart is a good work. Loving people and feeding people, walking on water even, I'll take that one. But everything he did, teaching was a good work. He taught people, he spent time with people. Mm says, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? It's a great question. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is, not, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe in me. But if I do, Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him. Well, I can stop there. Even Jesus says, don't believe me if there are not works. So when we go around and say, we're Christians. I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, what church do you go to? Well, I don't know, <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> a lot of people claim to be lovers of God, but I would say that their works say otherwise, and that's why I would say a lot of people have a really bad taste in their mouth about Christians, which is very unfortunate. And we should be deeply convicted because we are supposed to represent our Father God just like Jesus. And our works should display his glory. And our works matter. They matter. I want us to turn to Revelation 22. The very, very, very end. How often do you read the last page of the book? <laughs> I've been reading it a lot this week, and I just cannot, sometimes I just like, oh my gosh, it's so clear, it's right here. <laughs> in verse, or in chapter 22, he's talking about the river of life, and he's describing the new heaven that's come down, in which all of those that were in the book of life get to come. But then it, it's a final word to us. This is a final, final word to the church. In verse six, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. 
And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And he continues on. I just want to read the letters in red here. If you go to verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, says Jesus. And my reward is with me. I want to read that again. Jesus says, and behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. And many enter through the gates into the city, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immorality, and murders and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And it goes down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus testifies, surely I am coming quickly. The final words to us to follow everything in here. Blessed are those that follow his commands. And that surely he's coming quickly. We all know many parables in the scriptures about the virgins with 10 lamps. You know, are we, are we ready? But even more so, what I really wanted to focus on was do we want him? If the first commandment is to love God with all of our heart, here's a test to you if that is true. If he came to you right now and said, you can stay here or come with me now, what would you choose? I spent part of a lot of my Christian life, and my husband can testify to this, not wanting to die. I didn't want to die until my kids were at least 18 years old, till at least I could raise them, or at least until this, or at least, I'm serious, these are real things I would keep them out of my mouth. I had so many things yet I wanted to do. I want to first still accomplish these things or do these things. And then, of course, you know, I'll spend eternity with him. 
But there came a day, like Paul says, I want to turn to Philippians 1, verse 21. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 26. Maybe I'll start in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, This will mean fruit from my labor, from his works. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul says he would rather depart so he could be with Jesus completely. But he knows it's of gain to the church for him to stay and continue the works that God has for him. Our only purpose still here is to fulfill the works that God has given us. Because otherwise, the whole point was to be in relationship with him, and that's fully completed in eternity. So I challenge you that if you were not ready to go right now and jump at that opportunity, that says that your heart is more in love with this world than him. More in love with the things of this world, even your family. I used to really not wanna leave this earth because I used to think, well, I don't know if I'm gonna be married in heaven. What if I'm not with Tom? I don't, I just don't know. You know, like what, what if, well, I know my kids, you know, all these questions about eternity and all these different things that I used to just, like not understand it at all, because now I look back, I'm like, that's so silly. But it's not, it's just carnal. It's that I was just more, there was, there was a long season that I was more in love with Tom than God. Because I would rather stay here with him than be in eternity with God. The Bible says that's idolatry. That means I have something in my heart that is higher than him. So I know it sounds kind of like, (laughs) could sound a little suicidal, like, I would rather be dead than alive. (laughs) But when you know how amazing God is, you understand what I'm saying, and it doesn't sound crazy at all. But I also know that there is a work to be done here, and that is every single waking breath that I have should be spent doing the work of God, the works of God. Everywhere I go, 
everything that we are doing in our life is supposed to be a work unto him, not to ourselves. And are we living right now with the eternal reality that one day we will stand before him? You know, I feel like God gets those, you know, alerts on your phone that tell you how many hours you spent on your phone. <laughs> I'm serious. If that was a evidence of your work, what would it say about you? Would it say that he's the most important thing in your life? Or would it say that you are? I was praying on Monday night in class, some of you are school ministry students. I think the biggest deception in America is that we actually believe that this life is good, that things are good here. But everything that, well, anything that's good on the earth is God. So one, anything that you actually like is him. <laughs> And joy is him. So if you get joy from something and you want more joy, that joy is him. So if you could picture everything good and eternity in that goodness, which is him, we would meet believers all the time in the very beginning that would say things to us like, I'll be rewarded in heaven for this. <laughs> and now granted, who knows if they were built on the right foundation or not but I just couldn't understand it. I didn't understand. I thought, because I, I didn't, I wasn't living from an eternal perspective. I didn't understand that this life is like this short. And then there's millions and millions and millions of years of eternity with him. And he's saying that this 60, 70, 80 years, do you know that they're supposed to still be with him? Because if you're not, if you don't, if your greatest joy in this life isn't being with him, you're really not meant for eternity with him. It's all about him. Every moment of every day. And so I just, I'm going to give it over to Tom in a minute, but I, I really want us to take a take time this week and think about what are we building with our life? Will any of it pass by fire? And will any of it come out on the other side of eternity? Or will all of it be burned away? And will we be in heaven naked? Will there be people in heaven because of you, because of your giving, your sowing, your serving, your going? What will be the evidence of your life here on earth? And is it an eternal evidence or just a temporal one? It shouldn't just be once a year that kids and us think about if we're naughty or nice. But it should be a daily, lifelong realization that every moment of every life matters. And our works matter and they will matter for eternity. And I just, I really want us to live that way because I really think mo 
if our mindset and our life isn't built around building the kingdom of God, and we aren't in love with him and wanting to spend time with him, and we aren't wanting to tell others about him, if our faith has no works, then what do we believe in? So I just really wanna challenge you guys with that. Amen. Where, where, what, what needs a shift, you know? It's like at, all, all, all the early church, they worked. They had jobs. You know? they, had, they had to work. We have, we have lives. But all of it was the focus at the end of their day wasn't to go and... There's some of the stuff that we go, that's what, you know, that stuff. That they, that they weren't hoping to do all their work so they can go do something other than be with him and to expand his kingdom and for his name to be known. They gave their lives unto that end. And so you might, you know, you might not be like Bradford and Jared and Rachel and Abby and some of these people who work at the church and they give their lives fully. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there was those who were Levites and priests in their whole lives. You know, Levites, they didn't get to have fields. Their whole lives were undeserving the house of God. But everyone else was called a priest. Israel is a nation of priests. And now the scripture says that we're the priesthood of believers. Your life is meant to minister unto him. And so I, I want to kind of just add to what Katie's saying is, 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 is if it's not, if that's not the thing you're looking forward to each day, you're not thinking of how the kingdom's going forward. If that's not, you're not praying for the kingdom to go forward. You're not, then my challenge is to take an evaluation. What are you giving your life to? Those, those works, like Katie said, if they're not going to pass by fire and on the other side be gold and silver, the eternal things, if they're just straw, recalibrate, <laughs> repent, turn. The word repent is to change directions. I built cell towers and I worked 80, 90 hours a week. But I'm telling you, my life was about the kingdom. And every person I worked with knew it. Like, you will not stop talking about Jesus. And it is irritating. <laughs> and every cent I had, every extra little thing I, I could, I, was, I, I just wanted to see the kingdom. I wanted to see people know Jesus. That's it. Since I met him. And I just go, it's a joy. <laughs> and, and I want you to have that joy. Kitty wants you to have that joy. Not that you want to die. That's not what we're saying. There's no Kool-Aid at the end of this sermon. There's no... <laughs> So I can feel that in the room. They're like, are they going to serve Kool-Aid? <laughs> There's no Kool-Aid, okay? It's just, it's just that you long for him. If you're, if you're longing for something other than him, take an evaluation. Just take an evaluation. Jesus, help me. Help me. I want to long for you. I don't want to long for my next vacation. I don't want to long for a three-day weekend. I don't want to long for 
turkey and sugar cookies. I long for you, Jesus. Okay? That's all Katie's saying. And if you're not involved in the family of God or to the end of the expansion of his name being made famous in the earth, get engaged in the, in the work of God. Jesus is like, I got work to do. The Bible says you are made for good works. Amen? All right, stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you. I can't remember it now. Oh, yeah. My kids are, were, uh, the, my, Ezra and Nehemiah, they were in the, the soccer state championship for the 13-year-olds or whatever yesterday. And the last two teams out of all the teams, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and they, they lost. But their team won. They made it to the state championship for 13-year-olds. That's crazy. So, um, but their team in the second half only gave one goal. And this other team was, man, they were on their A game. But they scored, I think, three or four in the first half. And in the second half, they had their two to three best players out for almost the whole second half. And they only gave up one. And they were just that just a fire came in them like they were not they were just upset they're like no we're not going out you know like this and I just thought man if they could have gave the whole game like that you know and I think about that for Christians sometimes that we're just we kind of think we have so much time and we lay, we wait to the final quarter to get in the game and it's just like ah, don't do that that's Katie saying don't do that don't don't wait till next week or, oh, next month, I'll, I'll this or that. No, 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 no. No. Engage yourself in the work of God. Yes, you have work and you have this and that. I've been it. I've, like I said, 90 hours a week I used to work. And but every extra little bit was un, unto him. Unto him. I just want to make sure. And along the way, I was, I'm just telling you, I was a weird Christian. I want you to be one too. But I was, I was it was unto him. Yeah, it was normal. It was normal. I want it to be the new normal, but to the world, I for sure was weird. I saw many of them saved, and I saw many of them wowed by, by Jesus because he lived in me, and I brought him everywhere I went. It's not about bringing the physical Bible as much as it is as like, like just as a sign, but it's just like, no, live it. Live him. Amen? Lift up your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you. So, Father God, I bless your people, and I ask that, Lord, this very week, the rhema of the Lord, by the Spirit of God, would show them the areas of their lives that they need to recalibrate. They need to shift here and there so that their lives are unto eternal works, that when you see them on that day, you'll say, well done, good and faithful. And we, your bride, say, come. I ask that you'd make your face to shine upon your people this week. Be gracious to them and lead them by your spirit. Fill them with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I know the others, the next service. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you were blessed and encouraged. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more amazing content.